Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and today we have another special edition of our 10 Questions Podcast. Plenty of Week 5 storylines will be had. Got a couple wild cards up these sleeves, though, so be ready, everyone. Very special guest on today. He is a director of forecasting at 444 Fantasy Football. If you were following his rankings in 2010 and 2014, you probably won your league because he was Fantasy Pro's most accurate ranker in those years. You've been pretty fine the rest of the time as well because he's been top 6 and 9 of the last 11 years bonkers consistency from my man the one the only john paulson on twitter at four for four underscore john john our first time talking we've been beating around the bush on twitter for a while how's it going man it's going good i don't know if i can match your energy ian but i appreciate you having me on the, on the podcast uh happy to be here happy to, this is my first appearance here so i'm happy to be on Absolutely, man. We are happy to have you. And yeah, you know, some people try to say a pot of coffee a day is too much caffeine, but whatever. Couldn't be me, as always, here on the 10 Question Podcast. You know, it's I just started naming these 10 questions like a year ago because I got tired of trying to come up with titles. Maybe there'll be 11 questions, maybe eight. I don't know. 10 are planned, and we will get right into them. So, John, here we are. It's week five. And when I gave you these questions yesterday, I wrote pending true Matt Nagy malpractice. Thank God, Justin Fields is the confirmed starter the rest of the year. So with that now out of the way, we'll assume for a second that Jimmy Garoppolo and this calf injury that I hope miss at least this, this week. So every first-round QB is now starting under center. Rank Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones as the fantasy assets in terms of who do you want the most for the rest of 2021? Okay, so Lance has significant upside but i don't think he has a starting job yet so i have to put him last just from a fantasy as, uh, asset standpoint although you could sit on him and maybe that's mean i mean i'm talking about quarterbacks who can start on a weekly basis so i'm going to put him last and then i'll move the other way i'll start from the top with i think trevor lawrence and zach wilson uh, and then justin fields at probably one two three since they all uh, can run the ball a little bit uh, Wilson bounced back. I think he had a couple of tough matchups uh, in weeks two and three and, and came back with a pretty good game. I think Fields and Wilson's an interesting debate because, you know, Wilson's has shown a little bit more as a passer so far, but Fields he has that upside that we know he has, but he's just this, the first two weeks from a fantasy standpoint have been really rough, uh, you know, sub 10 points. Uh, so a little scary there. Uh, Mac Jones is sort of like the, uh, you know, he's not going to run at all. Uh, if he's got a good passing, uh, you know, matchup or he's in a game where they're, you know, not favored, then he could, you know, post 270, 300 and a couple touchdowns, but isn't going to give you anything as a runner, really. So I would go Lawrence Wilson, Fields, Jones, and then Lance right now. But, I, you know, you could you could argue Lance over Jones or even Fields because of the upside maybe in that offense in San Francisco. I'm kind of surprised you gave Lawrence the outright number one spot there. I mean, week one, we kind of saw the three touchdown upside racking up the passing yards, but, you know, hasn't exactly been a smooth sailing in Jacksonville uh, since then, to say the least. We did start seeing that rushing, you know, not, I don't think he has a ton of rushing upside, but he was used a good amount as a rusher at Clemson. Uh, cool stat from our own PFF. Uh, Andrew Erickson pointed out that I believe Lawrence had like four or five read option plays in week four alone. Weeks one through three was only at one or two. So is the Lawrence call just more of a like, hey, we have seen some improvements as a passer. And once we get a little bit more of that rushing floor, it's just the best overall package. Yeah, dude, maybe they maybe they fire Urban Meyer and, <laughs> or he resigns or something. No, I think my my uh, quarterback model for rookies is the one thing good thing one thing that's really good at is predicting uh, you know rushing yards per game and he does have 
more ability than people give them credit for. And, you know, as a junior, the model would have, I just, I've used both uh, junior and senior year because senior year is, or sophomore year, or junior year is pretty uh, kind of wild uh, with COVID and everything. But uh, between between 17 and 23 uh, rushing yards per game, I was expecting for Lawrence. And that's pretty significant. And that's that, that's that rushing baseline that you want. And we didn't see it really early in the year, but I think he's going to get a little more comfortable and run the ball a little bit more. I don't know that, you know, you, I guess I just gave it to him as the, you know, de facto number one. You could argue, I'm not looking, I'm looking at two and three. I'm like, you know, Mac, you know, uh, Wilson, who had been really erratic, and then Fields, which who hasn't even cracked 10 points. I don't know how you go another direction. Man, I feel like Fields has the skill set we would prefer. We all know how great he is as a rusher, but as bad as the 17 pass attempts were last week, those three rush attempts hurt even more, man. So I'm hoping that with, you know, Laser now calling the plays and all that, we do see more pure fields rushing. But I guess that has always been the true allure of Trey Lance. He needs to get that starting job. But, you know, there's a reason why our PFF uh, draft guy comp for him was Taysom Hill with legit arm talent. So if he can get out there and get those 10-plus rush attempts per game, I think, you know, that list, at least we could have five taking the spot of one. But very fair to rank Lance dead last because can't can't score many fantasy points from the bench of course now let's look at I just want to kind of go off here for a second because this is a trend I love it's not even so much a question John I just kind of want to get your opinion on something I've been noticing here over the years so last three 1.01 quarterbacks before Trevor Lawrence Baker Kyler and Joe Burrow each of them First overall pick that flashes as a rookie. Year two comes along. We all get really hyped because OBJ gets added. DeAndre Hopkins gets added. Jamar Chase gets added. But maybe the team doesn't perform as well. Shiny wide receiver perhaps, you know, overshadows some of the holes on the offense and defense. And then the third year, as we saw with Baker, as we're seeing with Kyler, is when the real baller status is achieved, when some of those roster holes we overlooked are more filled. This is beautiful. Right, John? <laughs> Yeah, I have some thoughts. Uh, well, my question, one question I had is, uh, you know, is Baker a baller? Like, are we ah. third year, 223 yards passing, 26 touchdowns? That's, I mean, that's fine. And he did, he did do better in the second half of, of last season, uh, you know, down the stretch once he was, I think, more comfortable on Kevin Stefanski's offense. Um, so I don't, but I don't know if he's, and especially with the way he's playing this year, I don't know if he's reached baller status. But I want to know, why are you disrespecting uh, Jared Goff? The number one pick was at 2016. They added Cooper Cup and Robert Woods in year two. He went to the, oh. Pro, Bowl. He went to the Pro Bowl and back-to-back seasons. I mean, you got to include him on that list, right? I didn't go deep enough, and you called my ass out for it. Good on, good on you, John. I also appreciate, you know, I shouldn't be calling Baker a baller. We need to set certain standards for this. And I have critiqued the fantasy industry for saying season after everything. And I've, I've said AJB wide receiver one season a lot. I get it. I'm not immune to this. And also saying every single time someone gets hurt, they're going to the moon. So maybe chilling out a little bit on a Baker baller status. But let's just take a second to appreciate what Kyler Murray is doing so far. And this kind of leads me into the next question here. You know, at... Every four or five months, I always bring everything back to this idea of a Space Jam game, but football. So aliens evade the planet. We got to defend the planet. Who do we basically want to field just to save everyone? And in this scenario, Mahomes and Brady are two of the guys that get their powers taken. So you can't pick Mahomes. You can't pick Brady. John, one game to save human civilization. Who do you want under center if we're playing tomorrow? Well, the way you asked the question, you referred to Kyler Murray. I think you want me to, to answer Kyler Murray. But I thought about this, and I have a clear criteria. I, I want a guy where the moment isn't too big for him, so he has to have won the Super Bowl. I want a guy who has made otherworldly throws on a regular basis. You know, we've seen this from this player. 
Um, I want a guy who can run a little bit because you know the aliens are going to man up and they're going to leave the middle of the field wide open expecting <laughs> this guy to throw the ball every time. And I want a guy who thinks he's the best quarterback on the planet. Like I, He has to think that because he has to have that confidence to save the world. And I want a guy who can convince Devontae Adams to play the game. Ah, and that man is Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, you got to have the ego in order to, to, to save the world. And I think he's got it. Very fair points all around. I don't know if there's another guy you could have said other than Rodgers where, you know, I would have to kind of begrudgingly agree with you there. But yeah, Kyler Murray, if he can go and start checking some of those boxes, I think he'll be in that conversation. It's just, yeah, and you're right. I just want to talk about Kyler Murray here. It's, you know, a lot of people would say, hey, let's talk about Kyler Murray. I make up an alien invasion story to try to get the, uh, to try to get the point across. But with Kyler, man, like to me, we've seen, all right, we know Lamar Jackson gets slandered way too much as a passer, but it is fair to say he doesn't have like Mahomes' ceiling in terms of just raw counting stats more times than not. Like with Kyler, I feel like the best version of him gives you the closest thing we've seen to Lamar's rushing. If I mean, I don't want to say better than Lamar, but man, it's actually somewhat close, which is wild to think about. And then also, let's just face it, he is a more talented passer, I think, than Lamar, and we have seen that on the field. Like the ceiling for Kyler, albeit, you know, he might hit his head on five foot nine or five foot five uh, door- doorways and all that. Like the ceiling for Kyler, I think, if he continues to put it all together, it might be higher than any quarterback we've really seen, man, at least in fantasy land. Yeah, and he, he might be faster than the aliens. If that, I <laughs> guess I would need to get a 40 time on the aliens and then we would have a better answer for you. But yeah, you, you look at you look at Kyler and what he's done and where where he's, he's headed. And this season is not shocking. I I kept him in a, in a keeper league where, you know, you normally are, not, you know, drafting quarterbacks late, but I just wanted to have Kyler Murray and continue to have him on my fa- on my keeper league fantasy team, and I'm, I'm happy I kept him. Uh, you know, even if I cut somebody with a higher ADP in order to keep him, I want to I want to have him locked up for as many years as he's he's playing because he's he's uh, he's a nightmare to cover, and uh, you know that upside is is totally there as you mentioned. I was, I'm almost surprised how well it's gone for him because he spoke in the offseason about wanting to run less. And if you watch his offense last year, other than Kyler running, there wasn't a lot of good happening between, you know, throws to DeAndre Hopkins. Of course, credit to Kyler, Cliff, even A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, everyone involved for making it work thus far. So it's been four weeks, usually about the time where we start throwing out 2020 stuff, but we're still only using a four-week sample. Not completely done carving our opinions on guys for this season. 4 for 4 has a very cool air yards app that just gives you the leaders over the past three weeks, and they are Chase Claypool, Cortland Sutton, and Odell Beckham. Now, with Claypool, he has a hamstring injury. For the sake of this argument, let's put, the, put that off the table. Let's assume he comes back this week just A-OK. Claypool, Cortland Sutton, or OBJ? Who do you want the rest of the season and why? Uh, I would still go with Cortland Sutton. Uh, we saw the big huge game that he had uh, i know he's had a couple of quiet ones i am a little worried about this teddy bridgewater uh, concussion and you know how long is he out because now we've got drew lock back under center and that's a little <laughs> dangerous but these guys are this is a good question because these three are pretty close uh claypool with roethlisberger and then he's the number two option at best uh, after deontay johnson that's a you know a little concerning too with Ross Roethlisberger and his arm because uh, Claypool is a big air yards guy and a big deep ball guy and if you can't get the ball delivered to him that's a little scary and then Baker the baller you know you called him a baller earlier so he should be the the guy uh to, to you know to really unlock uh, Odell Beckham although that just hasn't happened no it hasn't so I would go Cortland um but it is these three are really tight man yeah that 
I'm going to regret saying Baker's a baller for the rest of my life at, at this rate. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I spent enough time bemoaning that Vikings performance last week. I am continuing to fire up OBJ as a borderline wide receiver too. But, you know, the latest news we got on Jerry Judy is that he might not be back until week eight or so. Jarvis Landry, I'm not exactly sure of his timetable, but it could come a little bit sooner. I think the Broncos are going to be a little more pass heavy, you know, than the Browns more weeks than not. And Teddy versus Baker, man, it is an argument, if, especially if Teddy can be playing as well as he has been this year. So very fair on Sutton. Why did, you know, I don't want to say I was down on Claypool this year. I want to say I had him in kind of like the mid wide receiver 30 range before the draft start. But am I missing something or did Claypool become a top 30 receiver in the preseason because he made that one really cool preseason catch against the Cowboys? Well, I think it was a function of a couple things. One was that Juju was just kind of ignored. Uh, he, he, what happened in the offseason was Juju was a free agent and we thought he was leaving. And so everybody got really fired up about Claypool and Deontay as the one-two punch there in, in Pittsburgh. And then he re-signed. So then everybody kind of got down. Like everybody kind of kept Deontay where he was at, fourth, fifth round. And then uh, Claypool dropped a little bit. And then Juju was in there seventh round. And then I think Claypool... Uh, moved up and then also you know matt Harmon's running around with his reception perception talking up claypool and he's on podcast after podcast after podcast and of course claypool's adp is going to rise in that situation so uh he's a guy with a ton of upside and you know everybody in fantasy loves that type of player they're going to pick him over juju and that there you could see their adp splitting uh, as the offseason went on he was just to me he was just one of these guys i put him there with like ayuk and dj Moore, but like i wasn't doubting the talent i was more so doubting his ability to stand out in a crowded offense you know as we saw sometimes the talent wins out and dj Moore freaking starts breaking fantasy football other times you know kyle shanahan does kyle shanahan things and makes us hate this game that we all obsess over one guy doesn't quite didn't quite crack the uh, air yard model because he's not, I guess, going to lunch out enough with his quarterback or something. But anyway, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods. Disappointing everyone. We got a little bit of a squeaky wheel narrative going. Sean McVay saying he's a captain, he's a leader. He's on Sean McVay to get Robert Woods more involved in future weeks. John, are you buying that Robert Woods is going to bounce back? Or is this now just the Cooper Cup show and we need to quit pretending like there's going to be someone else consistently involved? Well... So, my, you know, thinking about this logically, I don't know that Cooper Cup is like defensive scheme uh, immune to that. So I think when defenses are going to start trying to take him away and then, you know, Sean McVay is smart enough to counter that with open plays. And I don't think Matthew Stafford is, you know, going to just force the ball to, to Cooper Cup, even if he's covered, double covered. And, you know, you look at Woods as game log and it's not pretty i mean he's cracked but he's cracked 64 yards passing and or caught a touchdown in three or four games he's playing a ton of snaps um we got that garbage time touchdown last week which saved uh, a couple of my games um but you know he's a guy with a long track record in this offense and i think it'll be okay uh you got some upcoming matchups that are nice i think this week is this week is very key because Sean McVay came out and said, I have to get him more involved. So it's a squeaky wheel thing. And I got called out on Twitter, you know, saying that, you know, we can't trust McVay. And there is the possibility, if you really want to galaxy brain it, that uh, he's trying to pump up Woods in order to get Coop, uh, Cooper Cup free. You know, have, have the Seahawks, you know, scheming to stop Woods because, you know, he's come out and called his shot. Uh, I, I do think we're going to see a pretty good game out of him on Thursday. Uh, after this and I think going forward he's going to be fine he's going to be startable maybe he's not the top 15 guy that we 
drafted him as, but uh, maybe a top 25 guy on a pretty consistent basis. Still a wide receiver, too. I think that's a fair take on it. And yeah, this this is the breaking point. Not necessarily because, like, okay, Woods could, again, have not a great game, and I still think achieve those uh, standards for the rest of the way. But there's something about Thursday night football where if someone busts on Thursday night, everyone just has to go look at that, you know, one or two point score in their lineup until Sunday. I feel like those games just get, you know, beaten into the ground more than ever. Like Joe Mixon last week, before he got hurt, people were losing their damn minds. And it's like, okay, 60 plus yards and a touchdown. Like I get it. We didn't get the receptions we wanted. Not necessarily the end of the world. People just Thursday got many more games to come. Could I could I add something on that? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Woods, uh, I thought he would run the ball a little bit more, too, especially with the yeah, injury to Cam Akers. You know, he had 155 yards rushing last year, 115 the year before, 157 the year before that. He's added four rushing touchdowns in the last three seasons. He's only got 18 rushing yards so far. So I don't know if, you know, maybe McVay talking about this a little bit gets him going uh, with his rushing attempts. He does have one uh, carry per game, but that's just, you know, probably not going to get it done. He had 24 last year. So I, I think maybe the, that's the, another way to get him in, more involved as a in the offense is to hand him the ball a little bit. It's a great point. I remember, I think this year I did give Cup the slight nod, but in past years I have used a tiebreaker between the guys as, hey, similar targets, and Robert Woods is going to get 20, 25 rush attempts per year. I kind of thought that if he was going to lose those, it'd be to like Tutu Atwell, who we just haven't seen at all this year. So he's not losing it to him. He's not losing to another wide receiver. It's just kind of been a different way of running the offense. So I guess credit to McVay for expanding things, but please. Sean, I know you're a listener to this podcast. Uh, give Robert Woods the ball if you can help it, please. Thanks. Okay. Mentioned Joe Mixon being hurt. Schefter calls him week to week. Zach Taylor calls him day to day. I'm going to take Schefter's side on this one. Taylor is infamous for not exactly giving us anything about his receivers. We also have Damian Williams filling in for Dave Montgomery, who we're expecting to be out four to five weeks. For this week only, Based on what we know now, which is not a lot about their potential snap rates here, who would you prefer, Damian or Samaji? Well, Damian, because we know Montgomery's out, but if we're assuming that Mixon is also yeah. out, uh, I'd still take Damian. He has the better matchup. Uh, the Raiders just gave up 145 total yards to Austin Eckler. He gave up, they gave up 105 total yards to the Dolphins running backs and then 122 running uh, total yards to the Ravens running backs as well. So it's a nice matchup for him, and I think it's a little bit better than what P. Ryan has with the, with the Packers, who did a pretty nice job against the run you know, the last couple of weeks, uh, 49ers and Lions. So, uh, yeah, I like Damian. We've seen him do, do it before uh, yeah. for stretches. Uh, we know he's pretty good, so I think he's, he's, the, he's the pick this week. More, and I know we haven't seen much regular season action from these guys, but bigger takeover potential between Khalil Herbert and Chris Evans. Uh, it's a tough one. Yeah, I would say Khalil, Khalil Herbert because you're yeah. sort of hope. I guess you're hoping for. Uh, I mean, I don't even want to say it, but uh, you know, the, I, I just don't think Mixon's going to be out that long. So I don't okay. think that that op, the job is going to be open that long. So I think you've got a better chance with Montgomery out four to five weeks of seeing getting a few starts out of Herbert if you know if something happens to Damian. I do wonder if they just aren't confident in Chris Evans yet just being this kind of three-down back. They've talked up his pass-down ability all throughout training camp, but I was looking to see if they had used him in pass pro. Spoiler, no. And like seven of his nine routes this year have been in the slot or out wide. So Pirine might legit just have that regular Joe Mixon role with Chris Evans, getting a few snaps here or there. Uh, excited to see these guys either way. I know a lot of people had Herbert ranked pretty high in the pre-draft process before Obviously, he landed on a pretty crowded running back depth chart. 
Let's talk about another running back. He's been disappointing the last few weeks. Damian Harris. With that said, they faced the Saints and the Buccaneers. I believe those were last year's like single two best defenses and fewest points allowed to fantasy backs. And even if they weren't, you can look at those front sevens and see why an offense might not want to give the ball to Damian, you know, 20 times up the middle. With that said, James White is out. We got Brandon Bolden taking some things. And now we're finally in a position where, hey, Big-time favorites for the Patriots this week against the Texans defense that isn't as horrendous, I think, as we thought. But, like, come on. When we see a Patriots game favored by 7-plus, this is when we got to get behind the early down guy, right? I think Damian Harris, like, needs to be in starting lineups this week. Yeah, I think this is, if you have him, this is the week you're starting him yeah. in a game where they're going to probably lead. And if they're not leading, it's probably going to be competitive and they can stick with the run. Uh, this is the type of game where he shines. And then I think on the other hand, you know, you mentioned Brandon Bolden and the, the pass routes and the passing downs. Uh, they did get Harris involved more as a route run. He wrote, uh, ran more routes than Bolden did last week, and he did catch a couple passes for 30 yards. So they are at least, you know, he's been pretty bad at pass protection, but they are at least uh, trying to get him involved in the passing game as well. So I think this is a, you know, that with a, you know, that's sort of a backup plan. If something goes wrong and all of a sudden Houston's up 14, nothing, uh, you still have an out with Harris being involved as a receiver, but this is, you know, this is the game where he probably sees 18 carries for hundred plus yards and a touchdown. Season high snaps last week, season high routes, a lot of good usage for Harris, not a good negative four yards in the box score, obviously, but this is why we try to pay a little more attention to the usage as opposed to the production there. We're out on Brandon Bolden being a major thing, right? Maybe he has another week or two of these targets, but I feel like it's inevitable that either Damian takes a lot of these pass routes, or I think more likely J.J. Taylor, perhaps Ramondre Stevenson, get more work, right? Like it's, look, my guy Cordero Patterson, it's great he's having this late career breakout, but we can't have this many guys that have never gotten these roles just all of a sudden becoming major parts of offenses. Can't happen. I, I wouldn't underestimate the willingness of the Patriots <laughs> to stick with Brandon Bolden as their third down back because uh, they trust him. He's been around forever. So th those other guys have to show it in practice like they can handle this. But, uh, you know, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know this. I don't want to uh, gamble on this backfield other than, you know, running Harris out there this week. That's a fair point. I'm, I was Because he was involved. I believe it was 2019. I kept seeing Bolden like really starting to get in there. But who was he losing snaps to eventually then? White, Burkhead, Sony. Not a rookie and JJ Taylor, who I believe was in his second year. So trust goes a long way in the NFL, certainly in new England. So, okay. I've been feeling frisky lately on Twitter. You know, when the helicopters keep crashing everywhere, I come up with a new stick, you know, here and there. And uh, the one thing I've been trying to nail lately is like, who are the top two trade targets at running back every week? So last week I said, Dave Montgomery and Chase Edmonds Montgomery, because before, before he got hurt, we were actually seeing Damian not get the same pass down work, and we were getting that 80% snap roll that really Montgomery rode to, you know, such a great second half last year. Obviously, he's injured. Chase Edmonds I love because he's the RB13, I think, in PPR right now, and he is an injury away to the single most injury-prone running back in the league from having, like, a true workhorse Austin Eckler light, you know, role, if you will. Montgomery's out of the picture, though, so what about replacing Montgomery with Josh Jacobs, John, just initial thoughts on Josh Jacobs the rest of the way. I'll tell you why I think that's a, why I think he's a good target afterwards. Well, I would just want to comment that Edmonds is a great call because he is RB 12 in PPR and he has not scored a touchdown yet, which is in that it's offense. Like, I think it's a league high, like 68 touches without a score. I don't know if anyone else is. I, I think Lenny is kind of close and then like no one else is over 50 madness.
Yeah, he's cleared 12.5 PPR uh, fantasy points with zero touchdowns this year. So it's coming. Uh, the big game for him. Um, I don't know if it's, it's not going to be goal line, though. We know he's not involved with the goal line. Uh, as for Jacobs, uh, yeah, that was a little weird, him coming back off the, you know, missed game and then kind of questionable all week and then seeing that line share of the t- touches. And I just don't know that the that Vegas is going – I have to see this two weeks in a row for Vegas to, to really believe that Vegas is going to go away from the, the, the committee that they've been sort of using. Maybe they're just souring on Drake and then Peyton Barber has got the turf toe. So that, you know, sort of takes him off the table and maybe it is just a Josh Jacobs. They're just not into Drake anymore. They're giving him the big contract. I had to see the second season or a second game before I would go trade for Josh Jacobs. And I don't love that offensive line in general, um, but his schedule's getting going to get easier. He's got Philly, he's got five, and he's got the giants, uh, the chiefs and Cincinnati all in a row. So it, it, things are going to get a little bit better, I think for him. But for me, uh, like I think Darrell Henderson is still cheap. Like if you talk to people, uh, you know, they're always injury prone or always this or that. And you, he came back and got almost all the touches in that offense, which was a little bit surprising because they did uh, use Michelle quite a bit the previous week. And um, I think this is a sign that they want him to be the bell cow. Uh, and, you know, cause this was a last week was a week where they could have really, you know, shown us a 60, 40, uh, split or something yeah. and they did they went Henderson and then the other guy that might be a little bit undervalued is Nick Chubb uh, I see people complaining that he's not getting the end zone I mean he had a touchdown like eight straight games or something going back to last year and he has got back-to-back uh, games with no touchdowns Kareem Hunt is like in Garby's six and a half PPR um, so people are upset about that but Chubb is awesome and it's going to start scoring touchdowns again so you might be able to get him for, um, cheap a little bit uh, right now lot to be i mean with chubb it's like we keep talking ourselves not talking ourselves out of him but he's one of those guys where because he's probably not going to get to that top three top five without an injury to kareem hunt it's almost like people take his just consistent you know one low-end rb one week after another as like a negative when hey if you can get that out of one of your top two round picks i don't think you're feeling too bad about it henderson is a great call i I guess, you know, sometimes I spend all day talking to you and Dwayne and all these other people that are in the weeds as much as I am. And like Henderson is my RB10 this week. You're exactly right for him to get that absolute workhorse role in the first game back from injury after Sony Michelle had proven that he can play a whole game's worth of snaps and know what he's doing out there. It just didn't matter. Still the Henderson show. So absolutely, if you can get Henderson, go do so. I would put him on that short list as well. And yeah, we'll know a lot more about the Jacobs situation uh, next week. But just personally, as someone that ranked him, I think like RB 27 or something before his year, like I was almost like, I wasn't spiteful. I'm trying to be objective with all these guys, but like it was a slanderous ranking. Some people, some Raiders fans uh, might say about that. And my rationale was, hey, they just made Kenyon Drake one of the highest paid backups in the league. Well, Drake is out of the picture. We saw that Peyton freaking Barber is going to get the early down work before uh, Kenyon Drake does. So, so for me, that takeover potential is out of the picture. And for Barber, someone that I was worried about making this a three-back committee here moving forward, he's got the turf toe thing now. And who's to say that he would have even had more than a carrier or two, even if he hadn't gotten hurt in that one. So just the biggest issues I guess I've had with Jacob seem to be coming together. Because I don't know, man. I've never doubted his ability with the ball in his hands. It's just been about that volume. To see him get 18 touches in a game they were down multiple scores, I know he didn't perform great against a bad run defense, but if he had, John, like we couldn't buy him as low as he is right now. Yeah, and it, it's it's looking at their RBBC report on 4-4, and, you know, Kenny Drake played 35% of the snaps uh, 
and had one touch, yeah. did not have a target. So that that definitely is a uh, departure. Although the snaps there are interesting that he's even in uh, with Jacobs dominating 18 of 20 uh, running back touches in that game. And I'll, just on Henderson, I'll go one step further. I have him at RB7 right now. So this week. So well, I'm, I'm expecting a big game. We'll see. Uh, the usage lines up with that. I might be the one that's a little low there. But uh, only other thing I'd add on Jacobs is Jalen Richard was designated to return. Now, if I was about to say, if Jalen Richard is taking snaps from Jacobs and now Kenyon Drake, after you paid that guy, then I'll just throw my hands up in the air and take the L. I wouldn't necessarily put it past Gruden, though. That, seriously, those Peyton Barber touch numbers were absolutely ridiculous. This guy was on the team. Today is October 6th. He got signed September 6th, and he was like third in the NFL in rush attempts in weeks two and three. But whatever. It sounds like he won't be an issue to worry about. Well, let me, just, let me just add on Jacobs is that it's always been the, the passing work for yeah. him. Like he's, he's been the 15 to 20 carry guy, but you know, are they going to give him the ball in the passing game? And we did see that last week. He gets five targets, five catches. If that continues, then yes, I think you're going to turn out to be right with your by low. Uh, he's always, he reminds me like of Antonio Gibson, man. We're like, it's never been a doubt that Jacobs can handle that pass down work. He was a great receiver at Bama. Like he was lauded by the Raiders for his three down skill set. As soon as they drafted him, it's just a matter of getting those. So again, hopefully with Drake not being as big of a, you know, thorn the size we thought he was going to be, it all comes to Jacobs. But let's talk about the guys that are already balling out this year. Top six RBs and full PPR scoring through four weeks. Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, the GOAT Cordero Patterson, Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, and Ezekiel Elliott. Rank these guys for me, one through six. One being the guy you're most confident stays in the group. Six being least confident. Careful, John. This, you know, this is a Cordero Patterson-friendly podcast, so no slander will be allowed. Uh, I love what he's doing in Atlanta. This is great. I am not confident that he's going to stay in the top six uh, this year. I do think there's going to be some regression on those, all those touchdowns he's scoring, but he's, I, I ran the numbers and based on his career touches touchdowns per touch numbers, he should score another 6.9 touchdowns the remainder of the year, given his current workload. If it remains the same, I don't know why it would go down uh, with what they're doing. Now, the question is, you know, is he like, you got Calvin Ridley there. You've got, Kyle Pitts there. There's going to be some other players scoring touchdowns. Mike Davis as well should probably get a touchdown at some point. Um, so I'm going to put him at six. Uh, I think the number one with the bullets, Derek Henry, uh, he's getting the passing down work that I thought Nick Chubb was going to get. Nick Chubb saw a bunch of big uptick in passing down work at the end of last year, big for him. And uh, now we've got Henry on pace for, I think, 60 catches. I mean, this is this is a dream come true uh, for, for, for him. He's, he's number one with the bullet. Uh, and then I think you've got a tier of Jones, Eckler, and Zeke. I love Eckler's usage. He's being used in the red zone now and goal line. Uh, so that's great. I think he's going to be a touchdown scorer there for the Chargers. You know, Jones is obviously Jones. And then Zeke is uh, sort of holding off Tony Pollard. It looked a little scary there at the start of the year, but he's back and seems like he's the he's he's going to be the touchdown scorer in that rushing offense as well. And so then I put Najee at uh, five. I think Najee's problem is not usage. It's just offense. We can't run the ball. So you're looking at sub 50 yards rushing a lot of much money of the weeks. And then you're hoping that he gets continues to see a heavy role in the passing game and he will. Uh, but I don't, you know, if you get the three receivers healthy, are they really going to be targeting him seven to 19 times like they have the last couple of weeks? Well, if they go for it on fourth down like 20 times a game, then he'll get 20 targets because Ben doesn't want anything to do with, uh, I don't know, actually trying to pick up the first down with a game on the line. Bold strategy, uh, Cotton. All right, John. 
Last question here. I mentioned it in the intro, but seriously, man, this is bonkers. You've ranked in the top six of Fantasy Pro's accuracy competition in nine of the last 11 years. Like, find any competition. I think anyone's going to be hard-pressed to be that consistent. Obviously, man, you're a G in this industry that we love. Give me a favorite piece of advice you have at the moment in terms of a waiver ad, buy low trade candidate. You already mentioned Henderson, so you can't use that again. Trade the schedule to monitor, something general, whatever. Go off. So I mentioned his name just briefly, uh, but Calvin Ridley, his owners seem completely disgusted with him. Like if you talk, if you talk to people on Twitter that have Calvin Ridley, they're so upset that they drafted him. So you might be able to get him away from that. Those uh, fantasy managers that drafted him. Uh, the targets are there. And then I'd love to see the downfield usage last week. The air yards were there. He was one of the leaders in air yards last year. And then suddenly this year he became a dink and dunk guy. And I don't think that's necessarily Matt Ryan's arm being dead or anything. I just think that that was, you know, Arthur Smith trying to figure out how to use this awesome receiver in his offense. And, uh, you know, he is still producing a lot of catches and he's getting a ton of targets and the touchdowns are going to come. They're not all going to go to Cordero Patterson. I'm sorry to, to break it to people. Uh, really is going to, you know, he's going to start scoring. I think the touchdowns are going to come. So I, I would say he's a buy low because he just hasn't hit the end zone yet or had that huge game that we were expecting from him. Huge game could very well come this week, just in terms of unrealized air yards last week. OBJ, obviously number one. Anyone that watched that Baker performance isn't surprised there. Corton Sutton, number two. I would say quite a few of those uh, air yards are probably more like prayer yards from Drew Locke. And then Calvin Ridley, number three. Man, like I count at least three deep pass plays where like the ball was, they would have been great catches, but we're used to seeing Ridley make great catches. Like it wasn't Hollywood Brown three drops level week, but it was a week where it's like, man, they are this close to busting it big. So PPR, wide receiver 22 through four weeks. Wide receiver two in expected points right now. Like Ridley, even if he gets just doesn't even need to come back all the way to what we're expecting, he should still be a wide receiver one before too long. Yeah, I think he's a, a guy you're going to want to have on your team the rest of the season. No doubt about it. Let's go. I like that call. Go get Calvin Ridley, people. Go get Daryl Henderson and maybe even just Josh Jacobs. John, fantastic stuff. People can find you on Twitter at 444 underscore John. I can't say enough good things about 444 football. I got my start uh, in the industry with um, Jonathan Bales, who I love and got to come up through the fantasy labs thing and all that. But 444 was the first company that wasn't directly associated with Jonathan that actually gave me a chance to go write for them. So I only did about two articles uh, for you guys. I ended up just signing a full-time job shortly after but one of the first companies that really showed uh faith in me and you know with tj and just your, your guys's whole crew consistently excellent content and you know again having yourself really spearheading uh the forecasting and the rankings you guys do exceptional work so any anything else you want to pitch there from four for four? Oh, thanks for saying that i mean josh moore uh, has done a great job i came out in 2010 he's a great guy to work for and you know i don't expect i'll be leaving anytime soon and it's just a good culture and i love the site and how far it's come or since you know when i joined it was not as uh, sleek and, and informative and didn't have as many tools but he just uh, josh just invests in good people and uh, those people pay him back with good work so i'm very happy to be there I remember when I got to meet a lot of the crew first time in uh, Vegas at a fantasy convention, you guys were all in matching red jumpsuits. Is there like, is that something that gets planned a week in advance or like, do you, do you guys have already have the orders in for next February? Well, I think TJ and Josh were wearing them. I, if I wore mine, it looked like Andy Reid, I think a uh, giant uh, tomato. So I didn't wear mine. I think I had my jacket on, but uh, that was it. Uh, no, that was a, you know, Josh Moore special, the Adidas uh, red uh, standout jumper. Uh, it's, it's a nice jacket. So I pull it off from time to time. 
Got it. Love Josh. Got to love the whole crew at 444. Again, people at 444 underscore John on Twitter. Thank you, John, for the time. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. For John, I'm Ian. Until next time, take care, everybody. 